0: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the OutKick Network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
1: Final hour of OutKick 360 to get you into your college football weekend. Oh, yes. Last night we were in Knoxville, and fantastic, fantastic uh, atmosphere at Neyland Stadium with the Tennessee Volunteers routing ball state they did what we expected they would do and now we get into week one of the college football slate that will wrap up on monday with florida state and lsu hey there are games tonight
2: there may even be a game that appears in my top 10 list that's being played tonight oh, also. Yeah. Interesting. so um yeah that's it's a it's a weekend full of it i wish they because there's no uh nfl on sunday yet i wish college football did a better job of populating sunday with games
0: yes they only this have the one Sunday. game on Sunday night. This so, Sunday there should be at least three.
2: Yeah, you have one at 11 a.m. Big game, 11 a.m., big game,
1: 2.30, big game at night. Is That would be good enough. We can spitball on why that isn't the case. Is it the holiday weekend or something? I mean, I, I'm with Are there you. any
0: Monday? I don't uh, know. Is it
1: Major League Baseball contract with ESPN? I I again, I don't know. I don't know if it's a weird thing it. with just playing on Sundays. I, I don't know. Brent Hubbs joins us from VaultQuest.com. Brent, congratulations uh, on the announcement of On3 with Shannon Terry. The website looks fantastic. It's always been top-notch, but big news in Knoxville whenever we saw that VolQuest is now On3.
3: Yeah, we're grateful for the opportunity, and um, Shannon Terry and I have been friends for a long, long time. I think, Chad, you and I did a podcast years ago, and, and I told you then, I would never have a bad word to say about him because of the career that he gave me. And so when he called and said, hey, I'm starting this thing up. Why don't, Let's put this band back together. Why don't we do this? Uh, me and my typical conservative self was hesitant and everything else. <laughs> and uh, he brought me out to his makeshift office and said, hey, let, let's look at it. And we dove into it. And as I drove back to Knoxville, it was just the right thing to do. And, and we're excited. They've been um, you know their tech team and everybody in the conversion at midnight was just fantastic it's been smooth as silk and uh we encourage all tennessee fans to check us out it's only a dollar for the first year um they're obviously putting a pretty good bet on us being able to do a good job to keep people around and it's up to us to go do that and uh, we think we're off to a good start so far it helps when the football team wins 59 to 10 as well
1: uh no doubt Uh, chad i don't think shannon will mind us telling this story and brent i hope you don't but a year and a half ago, two years ago, we were in that same makeshift office yep. hanging out with Shannon Terry, and he's discussing with us. We sat on the same couch yeah. as you did. He's discussing with us what he, what he envisioned with On3. And he brought up your website and wanting to partner with Brent Hubbs' VolQuest.com because no one's been able to crack the code to partner with Brent Hubbs. So I think that's a huge
3: credit to you. Well, I appreciate that. And and it's a credit to him because he was relentless. Uh, And again, it's because of every step of the way in his journey, um, and and he'll be not very pleased that we're sitting here having this conversation about him. But every step (laughs) of the journey, he's taking care of me. Uh, when, when the initial rivals went out, and he bought up the assets and restarted rivals, I was one of the first couple of phone calls he made, and he said, "Let's go, let's do this." When he left to, to go and onto a next adventure, he said, "Hey, let's stay in touch. Uh, let's get this thing back together at some point. The timing's not right now, uh, but but he left me in a great situation at rivals, but where I was stable and everything was great for my family. So every step along the way, he has been an advocate of Brent Hubs. He's taken care of Brent Hubs. And uh, he, he just put me and my staff in a great position for the next gen, uh, next generation, if you will, of sports coverage. We're excited.
1: Chad and I were, were able to make the game last night. We're watching the offense. I mean, the offense, they were fast. Defense only allowed 10 points. Like, So Tennessee did what we expected they would do against Ball State. What were you most eager to watch in week one for Tennessee, Brent? And what did you learn about the Balls?
3: Well I wanted to see Brew McCoy. I wanted to see Dylan Sampson on offense. I wanted to see those two freshmen how they would play. I was curious to see Joe Milton, not not because Joe Milton's going to be the quarterback for Tennessee, but I, I was curious to see how much he had improved. So those were some things on offense. Jalen Hyatt, uh, you know, I, I love a guy who says all the right things and backs it up uh, with the way that he plays. So that was their Defensively, um, I wanted to see more, quite frankly, out of the front four and off the edge. I didn't think they were great last night uh, in terms of generating pressure. Um, you know, in the secondary, they were average, you know, to okay. They've got to tighten some things up there. Uh, but nobody got hurt. There's plenty of things to draw from. And I think Tim Banks, I think he throttled it down pretty quick in terms of how aggressive he was going to be and exotic he was going to be. And the same thing for Tennessee. I mean, I was a little bit surprised Ball State dropped eight and played three-man front the way that they did. It almost They almost said, hey, Hooker, play seven on seven. We're going to keep the ball in front of us, and he did. Now, they're not going to have that luxury next week. Pat Narduzzi is coming, so we don't really know what to make of the offensive line and particularly left tackle. We're going to find out in a hurry next Saturday afternoon at Pittsburgh.
2: Brent, I know you, you talked about this and wrote about it a lot. A year ago, Tennessee really used a three-man rotation at wide receiver, and last night, I believe Hinton Hooker completed passes to seven different receivers in the first half alone of that game. Is this something we're going to see more of with more depth with pass-catching options for Tennessee?
3: Well, I think Ramel Keaton certainly said to, to the coaching staff last night, you can play me. I'll catch it. You know, uh, He's had a bit of the drops throughout his career, but but I thought he caught the ball well. Um, Look, I think their big three are pretty established in terms of Brew McCoy, Jalen Hyatt, and Cedric Tillman, obviously. Um, You know, Walker Merrill can can help this team on the outside. Um, Jimmy Holloway made a play. Um, So I I don't know that they're going to go seven deep, but but I think they're going to go four or five deep here, and we'll see how that builds as we go. The other thing that we saw last night was the incorporation of the running backs in the passing game, and that is an evolution in Josh Heupel's offense. That's... That's the growth of the quarterback in year two where, where his eyes are in a different place. Pretty, and, and, and give Jalen Wright and, and Jabari Small credit for improving their hands. Dylan Sampson can catch it out in the flat, and he can be a problem for some people out in the flat. You get those linebackers kind of going to the wrong place, that can turn into a big play. I think you'll see the running backs be a big part of the passing game moving forward.
0: Where was Juwan Mitchell, and, uh, and what do we make of what's going on there?
3: He wasn't dressed, and um, we'll see if he dresses this week. Uh, you know, they Josh Heupel doesn't disclose um, injuries or, or what's going on that way. Um, he's, he was asked post game and just said, "You know, we'll see how he progresses this week as to whether or not he, he plays at Pittsburgh or not." Um, Aaron Beasley, I thought played well. I, I really did. I, I think Jawan Mitchell, whenever he is out there, and he'll be back. I mean, it's not a situation where. Uh, the, he's going to be out long-term or anything like that, I don't believe. But uh, Aaron Beasley made a statement last night that said, you're going to have to come get it, okay? You're not just going to take my spot. Um, I thought Beasley was more physical last night. I thought he played pretty fast last night and uh, got off to obviously a really good start with the pressure on the first play. But he looked different. And, and I think that's – you asked me earlier, Chad, what the big takeaway was from last night. We heard all season, all, all season, guys are bigger, faster, stronger, that type of thing. You looked at that team last night. They looked different. Jabari Small looked different. Uh, Jalen Hyatt looks a little heavier. The the, the guys looked like they had altered their bodies and changed their bodies. There there were two or three plays in that game last night that you watched and you went, those guys couldn't have made that play a year ago because they physically weren't ready to do that or strong enough to do that, and that showed up last night to me. So
2: I, I was sitting first row for a portion of the game, and I had an up-close view of Brew McCoy. And what jumped out to me, Brent, was he looks like a tight end. That's how big he is. Like, just the width of his arms on the field. He doesn't look like a wide receiver at all. And another one, you talk about bigger and stronger, Byron Young looks the part of a top-level edge rusher that could be an NFL player.
3: He does. Uh, You know, I think Byron probably pretty disappointed when he watches his film today. Now, give... Give Ball State credit. They threw a lot of stuff and really out of, got it out of the quarterback's hands early, right? A lot of quick no-step drops sometimes and, and three-step drop. There were not a ton of real true pass rush opportunities. Uh, Byron was okay last night. He, he's got to be better. He's got to play his hands better. Um, and, and I think that he's got to set guys up a little better than he did. But there's no doubt he looks the part. I, I turned to somebody last night. Maybe I texted Austin. And, and maybe it's just the number 15 but, but there is a little bit of Kelly Washington look to Brew McCoy, just yep, kind of the yep. way he runs it. Now, he's not as fast as Kelly Washington was, uh, but, but there's a little bit of the body lean. There's a little bit of the look that kind of reminds you of Kelly Washington. Um, the, the number 15 is a pretty physical wide receiver number at Tennessee when you throw in Jawan Jennings and what he was able to do in that number. Uh, Brew McCoy is going to help this football team. You understand after last night, Why Josh Heupel and Alex Golish were really excited when when Brew McCoy got eligible, because he can play.
2: Yeah, and I thought, you know, you guys wrote a lot about Tamari McDonald uh, being a big piece of this defense, and he obviously got off to a very good start last night on, on the first play of the game. Is he possibly this year's Theo Jackson?
3: Possibly. You know, he, he's obviously gone out and, and won that spot. I'll say this I, I think Wesley Walker, when you watch him on tape, and, and I've been re watching the game today for a review piece for this weekend. Wesley Walker, when given the opportunity at the star position, I thought he showed well last night, chasing the ball down from behind. They've got some interesting decisions to make and some parts to play with back there because Walker can play safety if they feel like that, that he can help them the most there, if they feel like their best five includes what Wesley Walker, the Georgia Tech transfer, and Tamarian McDonald. Or maybe they just split both of those guys and split time there. They're going to miss Theo Jackson, but but I thought both those guys played well last night. And I said this on the broadcast last night. I'm, I'm not an anti-transfer guy. I'm not against a one-time transfer rule. But for the game of college football, it is fun to see couple guys who stick it out and kind of follow the old Coach Majors cliche, if you stay, you're going to play. Jalen Hite could have packed up and went to the house middle of last year when it wasn't going well. Tamarian McDonald could have gone somewhere else when he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. They both paid their dues. They both waited their turn. They're roommates now. And ironically, it was those two guys on the first two plays for Tennessee. Defense gets the offense the ball, and then Jalen Height gets it in the end zone
0: of what you got to see of Pitt's highlights, um, what do you make now of the matchup with a sample game from, from the two teams?
3: Well, um, you know, I'm sure Pitt's loving the fact they got two extra days to get ready because that was a physical football game last night between two teams that just don't like each other at all. Um, I won't say Pitt was fortunate to win but because I think Pitt offensively was, was pretty good and, and I think Slover's gonna be good and there's gonna be challenges there. If the kid from West Virginia doesn't drop that ball, then West Virginia may go down and score right there and, and end that thing. I, I mean, and still they had a chance to go back down the field and, and have a chance to tie it up. So my biggest surprise was the number of points that Pittsburgh gave up. I didn't expect that. Uh, but conversely, offensively, they're probably a little better, a little more explosive than I thought they would be with what they lost in the offseason. season.
1: Brent. Pitt averaged 20 quarterback pressures a game last year. From what you've seen of the Tennessee offensive line, how big of a concern is that?
3: Well, it's just such an unknown. I mean, look, Darnell Wright's going to be fine at right tackle, right? I mean, I think everybody feels pretty comfortable there. Jerome Carvin's a good football player at guard. Spragans be okay. Now, if you put a real heavy guy over Cooper Mays, that can cause you a little bit of issue. But, but last night, you didn't – and I wrote this going into the game. There were some things you weren't going to get answers to, and one of those was the left tackle position. Now, I, I didn't think you would get the the answer there because I didn't think Ball State had a whole lot of weapons to really attack the left tackle, throwing the fact that they only rushed three, and you made it real easy. So now the question for Alex Golish is, where, where's the pass pro help coming from? Are they going to chip with a tight end? You know, they're going to play tight tight end to the left side most of the game to to help out whoever the left tackle is. And and can those running backs hold up against pressure? Caden Mays told me, um, and a couple other offensive linemen who played against Pitt last year, told me in the offseason, of everybody they played, nobody did more unique, funky, unorthodox, unusual things on third down than Pitt's defensive front a year ago. They come from different directions. They they, they they play some rules that don't make sense, Paul. You know, those NFL guys, they've all got the rules about numbers and this and that and the other. They, they do some things that don't add up and don't make sense. So they're a challenge there. I don't think it's just on the offensive line. I think the question is, do the tight ends and running backs, can they hold up and pass pro next week? What game tomorrow interests you the most? Arkansas-Cincinnati. cincinnati and, and it's not the two highest-ranked teams, but, but that game's pretty fascinating to me. Is Cincinnati established enough that they're legit, going to be legit year in, year out? Or was that a little bit of a one-trick wonder, one-hit wonder for them? There's a lot of hype around Sam Pittman and Arkansas. If, if that hype is legit and they're really establishing themselves, shouldn't they go win this game given what Cincinnati just lost? I think that's an intriguing game. I've not been real interested in Georgia and Oregon until probably the last 12 hours or 18 hours or so. That game just kind of didn't – I just kind of had Georgia just kind of handling business there. That one may have a little bit more intrigue to me. And then Sunday night I'm fascinated to see what the new look LSU team looks like. So those are kind of my three in the SEC that that jump out to me. But I'm really intrigued with that arkansas Cincinnati game.
2: Was there a freshman that jumped out to you last night in the game for Tennessee, Brent?
3: Well, a lot of people are going to talk about Dylan Sampson, Chad, because he was easy to see, right? Open space, he moved around. Yeah. But I'm telling you, a guy who he had one pass deflection, and I think he had one assisted tackle for loss. Joshua Josephs is going to help this football team off the edge sooner rather than later. Um, he's a little bit lean. He, missed, he had a chance and missed a couple of tackles but there were a couple plays where he forced the running back to belly it out deep, to give linebacker help time to come in and and close the gap there. I thought he was extremely active. I think he played something like 17 snaps. There's nothing that they're gonna watch on tape in those 17 snaps that says he should get fewer snaps. I think you're gonna see him continue to grow with this defensive front moving forward. He created some buzz in August and I see why after watching him last night.
1: Brent Hubbs, VolQuest.com, joins us on Fridays uh, to discuss the Tennessee Volunteers. Appreciate you, Brent. Congrats on the site success, as always. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you at some point next week.
3: All right, thanks, guys. Welcome back, college football. I'm with you guys. Let's get Sundays a little better in the college game. One more marquee matchup. Let's Yeah. Let's yeah. find at least a 4 o'clock yeah. game, right? Let's go 4 o'clock and 8 o'clock. We'll get one more in there if we can because, look – it's college football's weekend. No offense to Major League Baseball. No offense to NASCAR. There's no NFL yeah. yet. You really ought to build with these seven gazillion dollar TV packages that out there. That's out there. Somebody ought to find a slot yeah. on a Sunday afternoon to put a marquee matchup in there. Hopefully, we can get that done. Chad, you're responsible for that. Okay, you got your playoff fix today. So that's good. I mean, we got you to Brent, twelve games, Chad. Czar,
2: you know. Yeah. Hey, Beco- when, when, when I you become, I thought you were football, already the czar. Then, these are things that'll be adjusted. It's so I'll make it happen, like you know, <laughs> populating the Sunday before Labor Day with games. It only makes sense. It's a wasted opportunity for college football right now.
3: I, I don't disagree because they own this weekend. They really do, and and they've you know they had a great matchup last night with West Virginia, um, and and in Pittsburgh, um, they've got an opportunity for some really good matchups. They had a good weekend last weekend. I mean, the Big Ten smart and doing what they're doing. They've got a couple of windows here before the NFL season starts to only further help populate their game. They, they ought to jump on that opportunity with the open windows that are out there. Maybe maybe the, maybe the, the, the live weekend, golf Brad. tournaments. Thanks, guys. I appreciate ha. it.
1: <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. Cheers. The, the, yeah, the live golf tournament can conquer it.
2: Yeah, once the Saudis get involved, they'll they'll figure this out. They'll, they'll make sure that college football's is played on Sundays.
1: Brett Hobbs, Austin Price, and the entire career ball BallQuest, top-notch uh, when it comes to all things Tennessee coverage and across the SEC. Coming up, Chad Withrow, just like last season, brings his top ten games of the college football weekend. There's a lot of demand. Top ten. That's next on OutKick360.
0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Owl kick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody, live in the beer garden on this Friday, the eve before the vast majority of your favorite college football teams kick off. For week one, Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer and the cast of everyone in Nashville joining us uh, inside and outside today. Hot day, but... Football's back, Chad. Ten, back. ten games.
2: It is back. We are back. <clears throat> Whoa. <Yeah>. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs>
0: easy, all right, there we go. Easy. Testing. One more, all right, one no more top time. Top. All right,
2: we are back. Uh, and That wasn't yes, live. Weekend is here. We are ready to go. Top ten games. The debut. Drum roll. For week one. Not week zero. We didn't do this for week zero. That would have been fun um, to try to count. Were there up ten with. games? I mean, I'm sure there were the some like eight FCS games. games, games. <laughs> of these eight games, oh, we could have thrown. Here you know? are the eight games. <laughs> All right, Austin P. Western Kentucky uh, for week zero. All right, uh, game number ten, uh, Albany and Baylor. No, I'm kidding. That's not going to make the top ten. Paul would have loved that. Oh. Game number ten, boys. You love NC State. Hutton especially loves NC State. I, I am not as high on the Wolfpack as most. NC State is going to East Carolina to open the season. This is an 11 a.m. game on ESPN. NC State an 11 and half point uh, a favorite in this one. East Carolina's got a really good offense. Their defense is suspect. That's probably going to lead to problems considering NC State's got a very efficient, good quarterback, and their defense also is very good. But East Carolina is always good at home. Uh, they've beaten some big teams. That have come to their place, I think this is a game to watch uh, for NC State, especially I, if you have them winning the
1: winning the ACC. So, uh, friend and uh, colleague of the of the show, Larry Stone, our, one of our uh, great affiliates and partners for our radio network in Cookville, 104.7. of um, he says that NC State in North Carolina, he would know, um, mandated by legislators to play East Carolina. They're not mandated to play at. East Carolina, but they have to play them. Yeah,
2: that's interesting. I, I love when like so state politics gets involved in, in football. The back story,
1: I, I don't know why I, or how—I have not heard this. East Carolina won in NC State one year and destroyed the football stadium, and then NC State said they're never going to play them again. And then the legislator got involved, uh, legislation got involved, and in, now it's a Mandatory. mandated game. Good, a matchup.
2: ECU, one of the top party schools in America. They really? get after it at uh, at East Carolina. Um, so uh, again, a sneaky. No, I'm with you on this sneaky good game uh, tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern on ESPN. My ninth best game of the weekend is going to take place tonight. TCU at Colorado. I- I'm a little surprised to see TCU as a 13 and point favorite in this game. You, you never know the weird circumstances. We've seen some weird Friday night games yep. in college football. This is a 9 p.m. Central, 10 o'clock Eastern kickoff. This is the Jonathan Hutton special. Bring it. The late night special Bring on it. ESPN. Let's go. TCU at Colorado. Beautiful setting for college football. I always marvel at the fact that Colorado is not better in athletics because it is an unbelievably nice campus and a beautiful part of the country. Um, TCU, Sonny Dykes taking over. They're going to score some points. This should be a fun game. Yes, as Coach Mack would say, Frogs. So ninth game is TCU at Colorado. Game number eight, one that we've not talked about at all, but is another sneaky good matchup, Boise State at Oregon State. So the Broncos versus the Beavers. Oregon State is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This game is Saturday night on ESPN at 930. Um, Oregon State could do some damage in the Pac-12. They've got a pretty good team coming back this year, in Boise State trying to take a, another step up after losing Brian Harson. and they had a bad year last year and trying to bounce back from that. Uh, game number seven, I feel like in a lot of worse week ones where SEC opponents weren't scheduling some good opponents, this may have been the game of the week uh, to open the season for an SEC team. It's not necessarily this week, but it's still a good one. Memphis at Mississippi State. Mike Leach, everyone we've had on, and I think, Hutton, you've asked the question to a number of college football people. We know Brian Harson's on the hot seat. Who else could be on the hot seat? Yeah, here's the Dan of, Mullen. A lot of people point to Mike Leach being that guy. So does that get started in this, in this week one against Memphis as a heavy home favorite? We'll find out. It's on ESPNU at 6.30 Central Time tomorrow. Sixth best game of the week. Another North Carolina showdown. UNC at App State. Appalachian State believes they can be Cincinnati yeah. this year. They are a group of five power that should dominate the Sun Belt and at least get into a New Year's Six bowl game, they think, if they can go undefeated. If they can go undefeated and beat North Carolina, Drake May at quarterback, by the way, looked terrific. Uh, for Carolina, the redshirt freshman, in game number one against Florida A&M. We should say that that had about 25 guys ineligible for that game. But this is a big test for North Carolina. On the road, in Boone, at Appalachian State, Appy State a one-and-a-half point favorite. 11 a.m., another morning kickoff Central Time on
1: ESPNU. Appy State, North Carolina tomorrow,
2: a week from now, at A&M pretty good slate for ESPNU by the way the seventh rate game on ESPNU sixth game on ESPNU also all right now we're going to get into the big boys the games we've talked about game number five for week one is Sunday night Florida State taking on LSU in New Orleans in the Dome LSU a three-point favorite I don't know anything about LSU I don't think Brian Kelly knows much about LSU <laughs> And he's coaching the team. That's fair. Jaden Daniels expected to start, has not been named the starter publicly by Brian Kelly. He's keeping that a secret. Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer, I expect him to start. Florida State, we know a little bit about them because they played scrub Duquesne in week zero, which was savvy scheduling by Mike Norvell in Florida State to get a game under their belt before this big matchup in a neutral site in New Orleans, a neutral site. Yeah. It's going to be all LSU fans for Florida State. Comparing the quarterbacks,
1: you've got Daniels who threw – he's thrown 725 passes for his career. That's the difference in the two versus uh, Jordan Travis. That's why Daniels is expected to get the nod, right?
2: Yeah, this is – it's also a fun matchup because Brian Kelly's first game on the sideline for LSU, but – this could be the start of the last year for Mike Norvell and this would be a big big win for his job status if he could win as a three-point underdog against LSU
1: and Boutte is back at wide receiver yes it's time to put on a show
2: Boutte can kick some Boutte uh, out there that's that's for sure game number four Notre Dame at Ohio State um this is the game. This is I know college game day is going to be and there. Six thirty p.m. kickoff on ESPN. Um, I love that these two teams schedule each other, right? Like uh, we talked about this with Bobby Carpenter. Uh, unfortunate that Ohio State is just this good that they're that much better than a team that's in the top five nationally in Notre Dame. But that may be the case. May not. Maybe Marcus Freeman's team surprises us and hangs tough with Ohio State. But Ohio State, yes, Paul, 17-point favorite coming into this game, 6.30 central time on ESPN.
1: Uh, Brand-new defensive coordinators for both teams. Of course, Jim Knowles is taking over at Ohio State, leaving Oklahoma State. He was coaching one of the best defensive units in college football a year ago. And Ohio State, of course, well, they were awful to begin the season on defense. They were able to fix them and patch some things along the way, but nothing like – we were seeing at Oklahoma State. So now we get to see Jim Knowles at Ohio State and see what happens against Notre Dame.
2: Keep in mind also, Jim Knowles uh, was Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator. He did not coach the game against Notre Dame in the bowl game. So there would be a lot of familiarity there if he stayed on, Yeah, coach Oklahoma State against Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman in his first game as coach, if you remember. But he had already left to take the job at Ohio State by then. So
1: Notre Dame's chance – is that they, they're going to load up and run the football, shorten the game. They are not deep at wide receiver to begin with. And then they lost players due to injury during camp. So it's tight end heavy, four deep maybe at wide receiver at best based on the reports from camp, and running back heavy. That, I mean, yeah. they're, they're looking to shorten this game, and they need Ohio State to turn the football over a couple times. Game number three. Number three. Oregon and Georgia in Atlanta,
2: another neutral site game. The neutral site games have the biggest brands going head-to-head every year, but I hate neutral site venues for big games like this. I love, for example, Notre Dame playing in Columbus against Ohio yeah. State. That's a much better atmosphere well, for a Virginia game. West Virginia at Pitt. Yeah, West Virginia at Pitt last night. mean um, go down the list. We're going to get to a game that's on a campus that's a big-time matchup also but Oregon Georgia in Atlanta Georgia a 17 point favorite in that one 230 central time kickoff on ESPN um, this to me guys I don't know about you I would be more shocked if Oregon hung tough with Georgia than if Notre Dame hung tough with Ohio State
1: uh, I'm the opposite I'm the opposite you would be you would, wouldn't be a surprise with Oregon yes no no I,
0: I expect Oregon to hang better
1: yep. I think Ohio State is kind light years better than out. Notre I don't game. see – the only reason I said – I don't know if there's like a game or two adjustment with the new talent at Georgia. I'm not saying they lose. But I think it could be closer than what we might expect. Yeah. Uh, either way, I'm going to be watching.
2: No I mean, doubt. This is a big time. Yep. Again, I'm glad these teams are scheduling each other in a big game like this, a premier showcase game. Game number two, it's Brent Hubbs' game number one. Cincinnati at Arkansas, two top 25 teams, two borderline top 25 teams. The loser of this game will be out of the top 25 more than likely. Um, Cincinnati at Arkansas, is Cincinnati a program here to stay that's going to be a year-in, year-out top 20 type program, top 25? If they go on the road to Arkansas and win, the answer is yes. They're right back to where they were a year ago because it would be an enormous win. Arkansas, only a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a 2.30 Central time kickoff on ESPN. K.J. Jefferson versus the Cincinnati defense. Cincinnati lost a bunch of guys in the NFL, breaking in a new quarterback. I'm intrigued to watch this one in Fayetteville. And another, this is a game on campus, which is really cool. Yep. Game number one. Number one. Utah at Florida. Utah a three-point favorite on the road. Paul thinks that's not enough. 6 p.m. Central Time oh. kickoff on ESPN. We've I'm talked about Utah and Florida all week. I,
0: I like the fact that I'm going to win the bet with a lot of room to spare. Now, we can always
2: preview a weekend and say this is the most impactful game of the weekend, and what happens to this game is going to dictate a lot more of the season. And we're usually wrong about which game that is. But going into this weekend, I feel like this game has the biggest impact on the rest of the season. Uh, I would because agree. if you talk win or lose, if Utah goes in there and looks like a college football playoff team and wins going away in the Swamp, that they're going to be in the lot. conversation And if all Florida year. beats
0: Utah, it means a lot yes. for what goes on in the SEC. means SCC a lot teams. for
2: Billy Napier and what he may have in year one at Florida it means also. means a lot for UT in a month. Yes, and Kentucky in a week. Who's going to come yeah. to
1: Gainesville? So Utah's going to the Swamp. They were one of eight teams that ran for over 3,000. And I failed to mention this earlier very balanced. They also threw for 3000. They were one of three teams that ran for and threw for more than 3000 yards a year ago. Michigan was one of the other two as well. And of course, they make the college football playoff. This this is a team that is poised for a step up. And this is their opportunity.
0: Yeah, and a lot of a- people are on to them into them. So They've got more eyes on them than they've had yeah, in a but long, what's long time. different? It's weird because it's a lot of people are be picking a really
2: It's also going to be a really good atmosphere. Like, yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I think both those night games with Ohio State hosting the Golden Domers and Notre Dame coming out on the field, yep. and then Florida charged up at night hosting Utah in Billy Napier's debut. It's going to be really cool atmospheres in both games.
0: Hey, I've got one left over from last night that I wanted to address. Okay. Yeah. Oklahoma State was up 44-15 over Central Michigan. Only only won the game 58-44. <laughs> but Oklahoma State's quarterback, Spencer Sanders, was responsible for six touchdowns. He had two rushing plays where he went up the middle and found very little resistance at the line of scrimmage, right? So that makes it easy for him. But once he got to linebackers and defensive backs, this guy's running was unbelievable in terms of the grace that he showed in terms of weaving, cutting back on guys and making them cut back. I thought he was a delightful watch. I'm anxious to see what he does against a better team that may put a lick on him or challenge him before he builds up ahead of steam when, when he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, but go look at the highlights of these two yeah. runs it was spectacular i don 't know how they went from up 44 15 to only winning 58 44 bad job by the defense there but i'm very curious about this quarterback going forward. We
1: just talked about Jim Knowles not there
2: yeah he's and Spencer Sanders is really good was, was good a year ago um, that but it's crazy to think about Oklahoma State making their money on defense a year ago with Jim Knowles being more of a defensive football team. Well, and they made it
0: defense for long enough to build a big enough lead yeah, to survive yeah. just fine.
2: It, but Jim Knowles leaves and they also give up 44. 44 to Central, to Central,
0: Michigan.
2: Central Michigan. No bueno.
1: Interesting <laughs> stat on uh, Georgia and Oregon. So, going through the numbers, new coach, new quarterback at Oregon, and against Georgia. So, In his career against the Bulldogs, Bo Nix, who's now the quarterback at Oregon, 639 yards passing, 56% completion percentage against Georgia with one touchdown and two interceptions, 34 yards on 34 rushing attempts. Georgia has gotten after him. And that's that's why I'm not buying into, you know, oh, it's going to take a while for Georgia to – Get it together. It's kind of. I just think it's a bad formula at quarterback for what Georgia does so well well with their talent. But I mean, if 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 it takes them a half just to get going and commit again, this is. I'm trying to give a reason for Oregon to keep it close. I'm not gonna be shocked, but. Based on that, it's hard to see. Yeah, it's it's a different vibe with Oregon now.
2: Yeah, is is Dan Lanning, national coach of the year already if he goes and beats <laughs> his old boss in game one for Georgia, the defending national well, it's champion? It's a hell of a start to his candidacy. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and also, Bo Nix, you wonder if like the PTSD of going against Georgia does it translate yeah. to the Pacific Northwest and <laughs> a green year. Or the time zones and, to do away? You know, with you're that. you're behind different jerseys in front of you that are green. Is that really going to connect the same? Or are they, are they silver, they go white,
0: yeah, yellow? Also,
1: let's flip it. So in the in the two losses for Oregon last year to Utah, I heard on a podcast that the Utes' tight ends ripped them to shreds. That is a strength of the Georgia offense. So I would go heavy tight end, and I think the defense gets after Bo Nix.
2: Yes, and you, you talk about tight ends at Georgia with Brock Bowers and unbelievable group. Eric Gilbert transferring in. Uh,
1: that's that's going to be a crew to watch. Oregon's
0: so, uniforms tomorrow will be entirely green with a touch of yellow. So.
1: Oregon has 21 transfers that they will be debuting tomorrow. All five starters return on the offensive line, so that's stability. Um, they have uh, Forsythe, their center, who's been with the program since 2017. I don't know how. Like, he's uh, he's
0: really struggling with those
1: classes. (laughs) I mean, that that is taking the COVID year to the extreme. I think actually. So he's
2: he's going to operate after the game. Yeah. Uh, Quickly reviewing my top ten college football games for this weekend: NC State at East Carolina Saturday at 11 a.m. TCU at Colorado 9 p.m. tonight is number nine. Number eight: Boise State at Oregon State. Number seven, Memphis at Mississippi State. Six, North Carolina at Appalachian State. Number five, Florida State taking on LSU in New Orleans on Sunday night. Number four, Notre Dame at Ohio State. That is tomorrow night, 6.30 Central on ESPN. Number three, we just talked about it, Oregon versus Georgia in Atlanta, 2.30 Central time on ESPN. Game number two, Cincinnati at Arkansas, and the number one game of the opening weekend. I say opening weekend. Because it's week you one, know not what week me. zero. It has a it's number the one It's the big on it. weekend. It's the big weekend, and this is a big game. Utah at Florida,
1: six p.m. Central on ESPN. You guys have any upset picks?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with East Carolina. Oh,
1: okay. I mean, I, why not? That's a uh, fair enough. I mean, they're no pushover. Um, of the of your top five games, I, I, any stunners? I, Florida State. So, none in the top five. Florida State. So, Florida State, given the fact that they played last week, I think that benefits Florida State, despite playing in New Orleans. Um, And just the unknown of LSU. I don't see any upsets, though, from Notre Dame, Oregon, Cincy, and then Utah-Florida is a top If
2: I had to pick upsets, I would pick Boise State as a very small underdog at Oregon State, and I would maybe roll with Colorado at home against TCU as a two-touchdown underdog, and then East Carolina at home against NC State as the most likely underdog winners. Anything
1: jump out to you? A lot of chalk. Colorado State over Michigan, maybe? A lot of chalk. (laughs) Coming up, uh, recap the headlines of the day and get you ready for college football's week one kickoff. That's next, and now kick 360. One game we didn't really recap today that was a great finish is Purdue and Penn State with... Clifford throwing the game-winning touchdown for the Nittany Lions. It's a big win yes. out of the gate.
0: Eight play 80-yard drive
1: against a gri- a good Purdue roster. That's a
2: big win for James Franklin to get this season started. They got last season. I think they were five and zero oh, to start last
0: season before losing at Iowa. But this is a big
2: season yeah. for James
0: Franklin. Wide open, real wheel route to to win it or wheel stop, but. The defender recognized what was happening right away. He was just helpless in terms of turning and going to follow it. Um, it, it was a good drive for Clifford, who wasn't by any means great up to that point.
1: Yeah, he just kind of operates the offense. I yeah. guess that's a compliment, right? they got
0: good tight ends again. Uh, one of them made a, a big, I think it was 54-yard touchdown catch and run before that. Um Second-best game of the night by far to to, uh, to Pitt and West Virginia. It, that was, those are two good games. The, the big spotlight
2: games last night delivered Deli- they on did. the first Thursday night with both those uh, being close and, and having compelling back and forth throughout. Um, hopefully tonight we get a surprise. Yeah. Because right now, I mean, you're kind of rooting for someone to – play above their way. I think it's Western Michigan and Michigan State is on on ESPN, I believe, so uh, for the early game. Indiana-Illinois should be a competitive game, but not a lot of great games
1: tonight. If Cincinnati shows up against Arkansas, what a statement for the Bearcats, given what they've lost off the college football playoff team to then go on the road in Fayetteville. That would be to me, that that would be the most impressive feat of the top group of games this weekend.
0: It's one of those games. To, to me, the only way it happens is is if Arkansas also plays well below expectation, and if Arkansas plays well below expectation, that's a huge disappointment for all the hype yeah. that Arkansas has been getting since you know last season when Arkansas was very very solid and was one of the stories of the SEC year, maybe the college football year. So, uh, you know, you said earlier if if Cincinnati can maintain, if they win this game tonight, they've established themselves as a a consistent force. I don't disagree with you, but it would come at the expense of Arkansas. So we were talking earlier about, you know, the Utah game saying a lot, the Utah-Florida game saying a lot. If Cincinnati wins this game, I think it says nearly as much about two teams. Well, and it's...
2: Luke Fickle suddenly every year feels like we're talking about where is he going to go, right? What's the job that would be good? He could go to all these different places. Is he just going to wait to take over at Ohio State if that job comes open? Is it the NFL? If you come out and beat Arkansas and you lose maybe one game this year or you're a player again, suddenly you could look at Cincinnati and it becomes Mark Few at Gonzaga where why That's would exactly Luke Fickle leave, right? I mean, if you can get it rolling to that level where – You've created expectations, but you've built your program and your image, and this is what you want. Why not stay? As long as they're paying you. Know? Yeah, it'd
1: be great for the Big Twelve too. Yes, you know. Yeah, once they considering join the Big 12, what they've lost yep. or what they're going to lose. Uh, rather, uh, I can't wait to kick things off, and then of course next week we're straight into Week One across the NFL. Next Thursday we kick things off. With the Bills and the Rams, I mean, we are off and running now.
0: Exciting. Uh, You know, uh, the local team here, Titans, uh, you hate to see a team that makes it all the way to, you know, Thursday they only were doing conditioning and meetings. So at their very last practice, before they start to prepare, one of their premier players, Harold Landry, tears his ACL. We don't know how much contact was involved or what but they were a day away from making it, at least to preparation, to meaningful practices, and he tears his ACL. Now, they have guys that can play that outside linebacker spot in Rashad Weaver and Ola Adeni, but Rashad Weaver, you and I were talking, I mean, uh, uh, Harold Landry moves around, he plays stackbacker, he plays outside backer, he can play versatile. tight to the line, he can play wide, he drops in coverage, super versatile. And I think right behind Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard, he's on that list. He just got a big contract. That really hurts a team that was going to be very defensive-reliant. Still going to be. But just missed making it. Yeah, just missed. It's tough. Hope you'll join us on
1: Monday across the, the radio network for OutKick. We'll be recapping all of the games from the first college football weekend. And we'll be previewing the NFL slate as well, which will be uh, underway in- three days
0: i think we've had a real upset here i sweat the least of the three of us at least from the from the neck up you, you
1: have open air over here yeah, yeah maybe
0: i got away with that I, i've knees my knees are i've got a sunblocker uh, I mean, have sun
1: for me that's why i was really
2: roasting
0: before enjoy I got the college
1: there. football weekend